Hey folks, I'm so glad you've taken the time to join us today. My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors at Clearview Community Church. So I have a question for you. Have you ever wanted to change something in your life? Have you ever wanted to do things differently? Have more knowledge in a certain area? Maybe learn a new skill? I'm sure you have. See, years ago, my grandmother would pull us boys aside and ask, hey, who are you hanging out with? I'm not so sure she did that with her granddaughters, maybe because she knew us boys were more inclined to maybe get into a little bit of mischief. <laughs> she wanted to know who was influencing our lives. Smart lady. There's a popular quote that says, the person you will be in five years is based on the books you read and the people you surround yourself with today. See, many people want to level up in their lives at work, at home, their health, their finances, relationships, their family, even their walk with God. But how do we do that? What does it look like? For those just joining us, we are walking through the Gospel of Luke in a series we have entitled, Investigating Jesus. It is our hope, as we walk through this together, that you will grow in your understanding of who Jesus is, his teachings, and more importantly, your relationship with him. So if you have your Bible, maybe it's on your smartphone, I want you to grab it out and turn to Luke 2. We're going to pick things up in verse 41. Now, I'm sure many of you have seen the movie Home Alone. It's a story that takes place at Christmas time when a frantic family jets off to Paris for Christmas, only to discover rather late that their youngest child has been left behind. As a parent, you wonder, how other parents can leave the house, ride all the way to the airport, board a plane, and then midway over the Atlantic Ocean realize, my child is missing. It doesn't seem possible. Well, the funny thing is this is where our story takes us today. So Luke 2, 41. We're going to walk through it section by section and kind of unpack a few things. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. This is the only time in the Bible where we are given an account of Jesus as a boy. Sometimes we can think of Jesus as a man, like he just popped from the heavens as a man, and we forget completely that he was born like all of us. He spent time as a child, went through his teen years, and entered adulthood. God had become his creation and went through every stage of life as we do. We are told that every year Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, went to the Passover festival in Jerusalem. What is interesting here is women were not required to actually observe Passover, yet Mary went along as well. Only Jewish men who lived within 30 kilometers of Jerusalem were required to attend Passover annually. Mary and Joseph lived in a town called Nazareth, which is over 100 kilometers away from Jerusalem and would have required several days' travel each way, most likely by foot. Yet, they went every year to celebrate the religious festival. In fact, as we just read, Jesus is only 12 years old, and under the religious law, he was not even required to celebrate the festival until he was 13. Mary and Joseph, in their devotion to God, took Jesus every year to Jerusalem. Jesus had parents who were devoted to God. They were committed to their faith. They were committed to raise their children to follow God. 
Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7 actually commanded them. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you, were, you, when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. They wanted to be an example to Jesus of what it meant to follow God. So listen, I want to challenge you, parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and anyone listening today. We set the example. Parents specifically, you have a great responsibility in the lives of your children to set an example of faith. If you want your children to grow in their understanding of God, to develop in their walk with God, and to be strong in the relationship with God, you need to set the example of faith to them. I'm not talking about religious duty, but genuine relationship with God and fellowship with other Jesus followers. You see, Jesus' family was all in on following the religious law and the customs that God had given them. They were extremely dedicated to the religious duties. But God has more for us than religious duties. A few years ago, when my wife Sarah and I were relatively new parents, like most parents, we wanted our children to listen and to respect others and behave, of course, when they're out in public. But we soon realized that although those things are great and commendable, that was not the goal as Christian parents. You see, if we're not careful, we focus on behavior modification when that's not the real goal. The goal is to introduce children to a relationship with Jesus. Here's the thing I don't want you to miss. We can fulfill all the religious duties. We can do the rituals. We can sacrifice in our lives. You can show your children religious works. You can bend them to moral behavior. You can make them attend church. Make them go to student programs, speak polite, and be well-behaved. But unless you introduce them to Jesus, who can change their hearts, all you are doing is receiving religious compliance and not followers of Jesus. So parents, I want to challenge you. Are you introducing your children to a real relationship with Jesus? Are you setting before them an example of faith? Now, the craziest thing happens in our story. Verse 43 says, After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. They lose Jesus. Now, it doesn't get much worse than this. Mary and Joseph are entrusted with the Son of God, and they lose him. That's got to be a bad day. When our second son, Levi, was born, we were having uh, dinner a few days after he was born in Kelsey's restaurant with some friends. And we're leaving, and I had our oldest son, and Sarah started following me out of the restaurant. And I turned and said, are you forgetting something? Um, the baby? He had been sleeping in his car seat in the corner, and she had forgot to grab him. Mary and Joseph go on their way, and they forget Jesus. They are likely traveling with a large caravan of neighbors and relatives. They assumed he was hanging out with some other kids as they traveled the entire day. They didn't see him for breakfast, 
but he must be around. Lunch? Nope. Maybe he grabbed a tuna sandwich with some of the other boys. Finally, after dinner, still no Jesus. Think about this. It gets dark, and all the children return to the safety of their mothers and fathers. They begin to settle down for the night. Mary and Joseph get worried, and so they start texting the neighbors and texting the, the cousins and the friends. Hey, have you seen Jesus? No one has seen Jesus all day, and panic begins to set in. Parents, I want to speak to you again. I want you to catch this. Mary and Joseph are committed parents. They are committed to their faith. They wanted to raise Jesus in the ways of God, but like most of us, they're not perfect. They lose the Son of God. So hear me, if you're like me, especially as my children now get older, I have laid awake at night and wondered, am I doing a good enough job? Hear me, there are no perfect parents. We all make mistakes. We exemplify Jesus to our children. We show them what it means to follow God. But take a deep breath and let it out. You will make mistakes along the way. Own up to those mistakes and allow God to work his grace through your failings. Okay, so Mary and Joseph, they head back to Jerusalem. Verse 46, after three days. Three days is a long time not to know where your child is. Where do they find him? They found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why are you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Mary and Joseph, they're searching for Jesus. Where, where did you see him last? You know, think about this. Was he, was he playing in the park with some of the kids? Maybe he is there. And they finally find him, and he's sitting in the temple, learning from the teachers and asking them questions. But there was something different about Jesus. Jesus wasn't simply asking and answering questions. He had deep insight and understanding, and it amazed those who were listening. The word for understanding here refers to the running or flowing together of knowledge. In other words, they were not just amazed at Jesus' grasp of the facts, but at how he was able to connect the dots, how he brought together other parts of the scripture. And so they find Jesus and Mary says, your father and I have been worried sick about you. We've been looking everywhere. And Jesus' response is interesting. He says, I had to be in my father's house. Now notice the contrast. Your father and I have been worried versus my father's house. You see, Joseph was Jesus' adopted father. Jesus understood that he was God's son even at the age of 12. We don't know exactly when Jesus understood this, but it is clear in this moment there was a shift. Jesus' response signals a break in his relationship with his earthly parents. He isn't being disrespectful and sinful towards him, them, but there's a clear break as he was the son of God and would follow the will of God the Father. See, he understood that he had a unique relationship to God as father. See, the Jewish people did not speak of God as Father. 
God was creator. He was to be worshiped and honored and feared. But this personal connection was not a part of their understanding. Jesus himself would later teach that when we pray, we say, our Father in heaven. A completely foreign concept to the Jewish people. This moment was Jesus identifying as the Son of God. If you are a follower of Jesus, it is your identity as well. God is now your Father. So they find Jesus and they say, okay, son, wrap things up. We need to get home. But Luke tells us when Jesus went home, he was obedient to his parents. Once again, how old is Jesus? He's 12 years old. This was not the start of any troubled teen years. This was not him entering into his rebellious phase. I hear so many parents say, well, my child is just in their teens. They're expected to rebel and kind of become lazy and lose their minds, aren't they? No. When did that become acceptable norm? Students, if you're listening, listen to me. That does not have to be your path. That is not the example set by Jesus, and you're thinking, well, he's the son of God. That's right. But remember, Jesus experienced everything just like us. He lived through all the phases of life, just as we have. You can enter your teen years, mature, grow, and not lose your mind. This is time for you to develop your skills, grow as you enter adulthood. In fact, we are told Jesus grows in four different areas. And so I want to camp out here for the rest of our time, so bear with me. In verse 52, we read, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. After spending time with the teachers and rabbis at the temple, for a few days, Jesus went away knowing what he needed to study and learn and think about when he got home. The word grow here means to progress or advance, to go forward. It does not simply refer to natural growth, but rather implies work and effort. Luke says that Jesus grew or progressed in four areas, mentally, physically, spiritually, and socially. The Bible uses the words wisdom, stature, and favor with both God and man, uh, which is essential for being a balanced person. See, the first area Jesus grew in was wisdom or mentally. Now, this goes beyond knowledge of facts to an understanding, not just of what is, but of what is important. For Jesus, this would have, have been studying the scriptures as his main source of wisdom. This would have been time spent growing in an understanding of the important truths of life. Folks, what are you doing to grow in wisdom? What books are you reading? What podcasts do you listen to? What areas of knowledge or wisdom are you gleaning from? Who do you have that pours wisdom into your life? I mentioned this quote earlier. The person you will be in five years is based on the books you read and the people you surround yourself with today. See, God wants you to grow mentally. I would also challenge you. What are you doing to guard your mental health? Do you take time to relax? Do you unplug from those digital devices in the digital world? Do you get enough sleep? See, God wants you to grow in godly wisdom. He wants you to be healthy mentally. Who is pouring sound, faith-based wisdom into your life? How are you growing in wisdom? Secondly, we are told Jesus grew in stature or physically. Stature can refer both to physical size and to age. Now, of course, as Jesus grew older, physically his body grew stronger and he matured. 
But here's the question for you. What are you doing to care for yourself physically? This is an area we don't talk much about as Christians. But I want you to catch this. God has blessed you with your physical body. And I know some of us, we have our ailments, and some of us, we even have pain daily. But your physical body has been given to you by God to be used for God. When we don't care for ourselves physically, we are neglecting the gift God has given. When I moved to Collingwood, I got a pass at a local gym. And as I was kind of filling out all the paperwork, the owner asked me my occupation. Of course, I said, I'm a pastor, I'm clergy. She said, wow, I've been a personal trainer and a gym owner for decades. Get this, she said, you are the first pastor I've signed up for membership. She said, can I ask you a question? I said, of course. Catch what she, she said. How is it that people who talk so much about spiritual discipline have no physical discipline? Ouch. I want you to catch this. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are not careful, you lose your credibility speaking of spiritual discipline when you have no physical discipline. So what are the foods you eat? The activities you do? How are you growing or maintaining your physical health? It is important to God. Thirdly, Jesus grew in favor with God or spiritually. Of course, he already had perfect favor with God, but every act of obedience, every act of sacrifice and love further confirmed God's favor and grace upon him. In the next chapter of Luke, we are going to see Jesus at his baptism. And in this moment, the Father declares that he is pleased with Jesus. So, how are you growing spiritually? Do you spend time reading your Bible? And I know I get people all the time who will say, Pastor Jay, I struggle with reading. I'll let you in a little secret. Download the YouVersion Bible app. Press play and it will read the Bible to you. Are you in community with followers of Jesus? Some will say you can be a follower of Jesus without community. I challenge you to find one verse in the New Testament that suggests living life in isolation and being separated from other followers of Jesus is a good thing. See, community is where we love, where we serve, where we are challenged, where we care for others and are cared for ourselves. Do you spend time in prayer, speaking with God and listening in stillness for his voice? See, there are so many ways that you can grow spiritually. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are already in God's perfect favor through Jesus. I want you to catch that. But you can develop and grow in your understanding and walk with him. See, the bottom line is God doesn't want you to remain where you are. How are you growing spiritually? And lastly, number four, Jesus grew in favor in his relationships with other people or socially. See, Jesus was not an isolated or withdrawn individuals, individual. It is clear from the later accounts in the gospel that we read that people loved him. They loved being around him. How are you growing socially and who do you surround yourself with? I know not everyone is a social butterfly. That's my wife. Me, not so much. But have you reached out to build relationships? And if you have, what kind of people are you surrounding yourself with? Are you surrounding yourself with those who build you up? who challenge you, who speak life into you. I heard a quote one time that said this, you will never soar like an eagle 
if you surround yourself with turkeys? How are you growing in your relationship with people? See, folks, God is a holistic God. He wants to develop all areas of our lives. See, Jesus increased in each of these dimensions, dimensions showing that he had room to grow. Jesus is our example of proper growth. Are you progressing in these four areas? Are you applying work and effort in your life to move forward mentally and physically and spiritually and socially? Students, are you growing from thinking like a child, acting like a child, into your teen years and into adulthood? The truth is growth does not happen accidentally. Many times in life, growth coincides with new relationships, growth coincides with being challenged, Growth coincides with forming new habits. Growth coincides with stepping out of your comfort zone. Everyone, as I said, seems to talk about leveling up in life. The question today is, who are you and where is God taking you? What do you need to learn next? Jesus understood that he didn't just need to visit the temple to offer the yearly sacrifice. He needed to sit with the leading rabbis. A good question for us to ask ourselves is, given my current situation, my gifts and opportunities and obstacles, what is God's next growth step for me? Your next growth step may not be more study. See, most of us are educated beyond our obedience. Your next spiritual growth step might need to be serving in a ministry, serving in a new group, leading a team, getting more faithful in your prayer, Taking action is always a part of growth, and Jesus knew enough about himself to know that he needed to grow. You see, knowing or acknowledging that you don't know everything is an important step to growth. Growth is the opposite of comfort. For some of us, the riskiest thing we can do is to stay where we are. Growth requires opening up to new ways of looking at things, and Jesus grew into a well-balanced person, and that is what he wants for you. So let me challenge each of you today. Ask yourself, am I progressing? Am I moving forward? Jesus progressed in all four areas, and we need to as well. Why don't you join with me as we wrap up in prayer today? God, I thank you that you are a God who cares about every area of our lives. You care about us as parents. You care about our children. You care as we develop and grow. And Jesus, I thank you that you have come to be an example for us. You have lived and experienced everything we experience. For those listening today, I pray that they would be encouraged, that they would know you care about every area of life, that you want them to grow and develop into men and women that you have created them to be. Help them to invite you into every area of life. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Well, God bless you, my friends. If you have any questions, I encourage you to reach out. We'd love to connect. Have a great week. Take care.